The Lord Almighty grant us a quiet night and peace at the last. Amen. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to Your name, O Most High, to herald Your love in the morning, Your truth at the close of the day. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Holy and gracious God, I confess that I have sinned against you this day. Some of my sin I know, the thoughts and words and deeds of which I am ashamed. But some is known only to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask forgiveness. Deliver and restore me that I may rest in peace. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Christ Jesus, and in him we are forgiven. We rest now in his peace and rise in the morning to serve him. 
Amen. Zechariah 3 is uh, reading, we're going to, this is the second of four visions that Zechariah had that we're going to read tonight. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? And now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I've taken, away, taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed them with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. The angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. And that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Revelation uh, 12. Now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Okay, if you could look at Zechariah 3 in the bulletin with me. There's, uh, and while, while you're uh, looking there, there's a podcast that I like called Snap Judgment, and I was listening to it recently, and the host, a guy by the name of Glenn Washington, uh, was talking about a friend of his from college sent him just recently, sent him a picture of kind of their group when, back when they were in college. And, and he looked at the picture, he said, on his uh, device, and he like zoomed in real close to himself, and he thought, Man, I, was, I was actually attractive. Like, that was like, you know, 20, 25 years ago. I actually was, like, I was, I was a good-looking guy, and all of us were good-looking people. And you could just tell in the picture that we're all happy, and we all love being with each other. And he said, it just struck me, that, I mean, it's just so obvious looking at that picture now, but that the only thing he can remember about how he felt back in the day was that he was incredibly unattractive and that nobody in that group, he, he wasn't sure that they even really liked him or if he was the outsider in the group and he didn't feel like he, his life was going anywhere. And then he said, this is just, it's just so crazy that it's, you know, looking at it now, it just, it just, it's apparent to me that it's so different than what I was experiencing, that the reality was so different than what I was experiencing back then. Although, he said, when I look at myself in the mirror now, I actually feel the exact same way, that I'm completely unattractive, and I have no clue what I'm doing with my life, and even the people closest to me, I'm never completely sure that they really find me interesting or worth being around. Zechariah 3, so we talk about Satan. I mean, Satan's in here, right? Verses 1 and 2. We talk about Satan. You know, when when we think about Satan, a lot of times we think about Satan as a tempter or Satan as a deceiver or Satan as, you know, scary. And all those, you can find all that in the Bible. That's certainly true. Uh, But mainly what Satan is, is, uh, well, actually, the word Satan is just the Hebrew word for the accuser. We saw this in the Revelation text. We see it here in, in Zechariah 3, uh, 1 and 2, that Satan is standing at the right hand of God, accusing you. He's accusing you. Do you know that part of you that says, like Glenn Washington, like, I, I just, like, I'm kind of a loser, and I'm really not very good at anything, and that voice that says, you know, you always overreact in that situation, or you always underreact. You don't ever tell people what you think, or you always tell people too much what you think, or you haven't done enough to keep up. Like the sun is circling around behind you and passing you up every day, and life is sliding past, and you haven't really done anything with your life yet. That voice that's telling you that is actually the echoes of the accuser, the enemy, talking to God about you that you are agreeing with. I don't know how those echoes get into our mind. Maybe it just happened at the fall where, in a sense, we teamed up with him against God. And so that mindset that we are worthless, that we have no value, it's just sort of embedded in our consciousness now. Now you say to me, so, so I'm, I'm going to tell you tonight, stop thinking like that. Don't think like that. And you might say to me, well, okay, I'll try, but I know me better than you. Like Glenn Washington, I can see my face in the mirror. I see everything that's wrong with it. Like I, I wonder what kind of drunken stupor my significant other was in to marry me. 
I, you know, I wonder why it is that my friends hang out with me. I wonder, you know, that the, the face that I'm looking at is a face that had huge dreams growing up, and now it's just kind of muddling through the day to day. You don't, you don't know me. This is actually like my life. Well, do you mind if I agree with you for a few minutes? Uh, yeah. Uh, we are worthless. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you tonight to say no to that voice that's accusing you of being unloved and worthless. But before I get there, I've got to say, you're actually unloved and worthless. So, you know, God is, uh, God is defending God is defending Joshua, the high priest. This is not Joshua from the book of Joshua. This is, I mean, Joshua is a common Jewish name. This is Joshua from uh, after the exile. He's the high priest in Jerusalem, according to Ezra, that comes back with the people and is kind of in charge of the religious worship there in Jerusalem. And it describes him in verse 4. If you look down here, the angel said to those who were standing before Joshua, remove the filthy garments from him. Joshua is wearing filthy garments. That word filthy there doesn't just mean, you know, uh, dirty. He should have run him through the wash a couple days ago. The word filthy there is the same adjective that gets applied to human excrement and vomit in the Old Testament. Uh, we're talking about something that's like deeply disgusting. It's not just, oh, go clean yourself up a little bit. But he's actually repulsive. And God says to Satan, he says in, in verse 2, he says this. So here, here's the question. Granted that Joshua is repulsive, how can God defend him? Do you see what I'm saying? God does not say, hey, Satan, he really does have value and worth. No, God looks over at him and, Satan, you've got a good point. Satan's accusing him of being repulsive because Joshua is repulsive. Do you look in the mirror and think, I don't know if I have any worth? It's because you, on your own, actually don't have worth. You're wearing filthy garments. How does God fix this? Two ways here. First of all, verse two, Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. He says it twice here, which is really, this is really emphatic. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan, or O, o accuser. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. What's the grounds of God's rebuke of Satan? What's the grounds of God's rebuke of you when you say to yourself, I don't have worth? First thing is God says, I chose you. I chose you. You're a brand plucked from the fire. So it says the image of a fire burning and somebody reaching down and grabbing a branch before it can be burnt up, which is probably the best picture in the whole Bible of how you get out of hell. It's the clearest picture of how you avoid hell is God actually reaches down and plucks you up out of it. God chose you. That's your value. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. First, I'm going to give you the second thing. So first of all, God chooses you. Second of all, God makes you worthy. Verses 4 and 5, the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So a turban, if you go back to uh, uh, the book of Leviticus, a turban is what the high priest would wear. It was a part of it. Not, not everybody wore turbans in this sense here. It was part of the high priestly's garment, and it had a, a plaque on it with an inscription that said, Holy to the Lord on the plaque. And Zechariah said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. God makes us worthy. So here, here it is Satan accuses you. Your own voice echoes that accusation I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I, I, I'm not any good at anything. 
just echoing the voice of Satan. God does not say, no, really, really, you are worthy. First he says, I chose you, and then he makes you worthy. But his choice of you, his love of you, his commitment to you, precedes your value. What does this tell us? It tells us that we get our value, we get our worth, we get our love from God loving us and from God fixing us. Verses eight through 10, how does he do this specifically? Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will send my servant the branch. Both the word servant and the word branch in Isaiah are both messianic words. They describe the coming one who's going to set things to right. I'm gonna send my servant the branch, and here's kind of a weird verse. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, if you're looking at the ESV, which you're looking at the bulletin, most of you, but in the Bible, there's a, a, a marginal note. Seven eyes is probably best understood as seven facets. So it's some sort of valuable stone with multiple facets. And there's a couple options here for what's going on. It could be the stone that is a part of the high priest's garment, which says, holy to the Lord. It could be a part of the, it could be some sort of decorative feature on the new temple that's being rebuilt here in Zechariah after the exile. In any case, it's a sign that says, God's saying, I'm putting my value on this person. So what's happening? Two things here. First of all, there's forgiveness. I will remove the, uh, uh, I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. Last line of verse nine. And that day that declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. So there's a removal of iniquity. There's a forgiven. There's a taking away of all the bad stuff. And there's an ascribing of value. There's this stone of great worth that's placed upon us or with us that says, this person is holy to me, I value them. So here's what I'm saying. You can't ascribe, you can't, you can't decide if you're lovable or unlovable. You can't do that. You're in no position to do that. Satan stands there and says, this guy's unlovable. Your own, your own psyche is agreeing with him and saying, yeah, I'm completely unlovable. God himself looks at you and says, yeah, filthy garments. But here's the deal. You don't get to decide if you're lovable or not. That's not up to you. You might think that you're, so you might think that you're completely unlovable, but if somebody loves you, that's the game. You, you, that's, that's, that's the decider there. I don't decide if I'm loved or not. Angela decides if I'm loved or not. You guys decide if I'm loved or not. So you see, my, my lovability comes from outside. It has nothing to do with me. It comes from a choice that somebody else makes to love me. And what God is saying here is, rebuker, accuser, I have chosen Jerusalem. You say that they're not worthy of love. And I'm looking at them, and I can see why you're saying they're not worthy of love. I'm behind you as you look in the mirror, and I know what you're saying, God says, but I choose you. I give you love. Doesn't matter how you feel about that. I love you. Second thing is worth. You can't ascribe worth to yourself. Look, if I paint a painting, so if, let's, say, say, let's say I have some item at home that I think is valuable, some little trinket or knickknack, and I throw it up on eBay, and I like make a starting price, and, you know, an auction starting price of a million dollars. It doesn't matter if I think it's worth a million dollars or not. If nobody bids on it, it's not worth anything. And it's not going to be, we're not going to know how much it's worth until I drop the price low enough to when somebody says, okay, it's worth it to me to give you the money for that. Does that make sense? If I make a painting and it's junk and two people come by and start bidding each other and get it up to a million dollars, it doesn't matter if I think the painting is junk or not. 
if somebody else is willing to pay a million dollars, then the painting's worth a million dollars. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what God is saying to the accuser. You don't think they're worth anything. They don't think they're worth anything, but it doesn't matter because it's not up to them. Nobody gets to ascribe their own worth. Your worth comes from outside of yourself. Your bad thoughts, your good thoughts don't matter. And God says, I find them worthy, so worthy that I'm gonna send the branch. So worthy that I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay the price myself to rescue and redeem. So here, here we go. This is what I'm saying. Your low self-esteem says to you, you're not worthy. You can try and convince yourself to have high self-esteem. I, I, I quoted Stuart Smalley a couple Sundays ago, or maybe that was last week, I don't remember. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. But you know that's just playing games. It's just a mental trick. Self-esteem is a mental trick you're trying to perform to trick yourself into believing that you're not the person that you know you really are. Low self-esteem says you have no worth. High self-esteem says, I have worth. The gospel says this, you don't really need to ascribe anything to yourself because God himself gives you his worth, gives you his love, and that is your love and worth. Let's pray. Stand with me. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. In righteousness I shall see you. When I awake, your presence will give me joy. Be present, merciful God, and protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and chances of life may find our rest in you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless you and keep you. Amen.